Hey, do you love the show? Subscribe not to miss a thing. You can also rate and review at your favorite podcast player. Previously on Building Evelyn. They stood there in front of it, soaking in all its beauty in awe, before they headed back to their humble posada, the bed and breakfast they were staying in. There was a message attached to the door of their room when they got back. Gracious opened the envelope and read the card out loud. Ladies, I am off tomorrow and it would be a pleasure to show you the city if you allow me. Sincerely, Fernando. Esther looked at Gracious and said, We already have plans for tomorrow. We don't need a guide to go to the Sugarloaf Mountain. We have been relying on taxi drivers, and so far we haven't gotten lost. How did he even find us anyway? This is so creepy. Hello and welcome to Building Evelyn. This story is based in two events, but written with a bit of fiction. Some chapters of the story are written by different writers, And each writer not only continues the story, using real events and facts, but also puts their own twist on the previous writer's idea to keep the story moving. I am Jackie Pesau, and Chapter 7 was written by me. Even three weeks after the wedding, Gracious was still daydreaming about her magical day. She still lived at Miss Josie's house because she and Fernando didn't have a place of their own yet. Through the relationship, Fernando continued to travel between the bank's two branches, the one he was originally from and the one Gracious worked at. He wanted to make sure everything was taken care of before they went to their honeymoon a month later. While Fernando was away, Gracia stayed behind, looking for a place her small family could move to. A friend of hers had recommended a realtor, and after checking all her references, Gracia's met with her at a quaint cafe located near the bank, where they both had afternoon coffee while discussing what kind of home she was looking for. A nice, cozy place for my small family to call home. It doesn't matter to me if it is an apartment or a house. A house is preferable, though, since I'm used to have more space. I have lived on a farm my whole life, but I am open to an apartment complex with a playground, Gracious told the realtor. After their chat, the realtor returned to her office to put together some listings to look at to see if any of the properties would be suitable for Gracious. In Brazil, around that time, 
Many families lived in houses, but more and more people were opting to live in apartments because of crime. Unfortunately, properties had to have tall concrete fences around them and houses needed to have brick roofs, metal bars on windows, and gates for doors to feel secure. Crime had always been a problem for the area, but it seemed that the criminals were getting a bit more aggressive those days. So Gracious wanted to make sure safety was a priority on her list. Gracious's realtor booked three appointments the following week to see three properties. The first house had a huge hornet's nest on the arch of the gate, and when Gracia saw it, she was immediately afraid to pass under it. From living on a farm all her life, she knew how dangerous and vicious hornets were. So, she didn't even want to enter the property. She couldn't understand why someone trying to sell a house wouldn't take care of something so important like a dangerous nest. Too bad they lost her as a potential buyer, probably along with many other people. The realtor was very embarrassed for not noticing it when she went to visit the house before, and she apologized for wasting their time. The second house was gorgeous. It was beautifully landscaped, and it was apparent that someone was regularly maintaining the yard. There were roses, lilies, and numerous well-maintained flower bushes. The shrubbery was neatly trimmed, and the green grass was cut short. The outside of the house was painted a clean and pleasant white, which gracious thought complemented the green of the lawn. She was impressed with the realtor's ability to convey all her wishes on this house. It had three bedrooms and a nice-sized porch, where Gracious imagined having afternoon coffee or family chats. She made sure to write every single detail down to discuss with Fernando so that if he liked what he heard, maybe they would go back there to see it again. There was only one problem with the house. It was by a busy street and it could be noisy at some hours of the day when people were traveling to and from work and other locations. The third property was an apartment in a complex with three buildings. The complex was gated and had a gatekeeper at the entrance. Each building had an elevator, and each floor had three apartments. The apartment complex also came with a swimming pool, a playground for the children, and a large area for events. The apartment itself was very nice and spacious enough for her family, with four bedrooms, including one for the help. Gracious liked the apartment as well, so she wished to take Fernando to see it. Once Fernando was back from his trip, Gracious took him to see the two listings. And like Gracious, he liked both places, but after much discussion, they decided to go with the apartment. The reason was because of security. 
Because the complex had a gatekeeper, no one could go in without permission given by the person they planned to see. This made Fernando and Gracious decide the apartment would be better for them, since safety was a priority. If anyone ever managed to enter without permission, for any reason, an apartment is much safer. They won't know which apartment we live in unless they already know from prior knowledge. Going about trying to steal from or attack someone that lives in an apartment is much more difficult, even with the level of crime around here this time, Fernando told Gracious. With the housing situation taken care of, Gracious and Fernando were ready to enjoy their honeymoon. They would be visiting the humble city of Alto Paraíso in the Chapada dos Veadeiros microregion, even though her mother could use a helping hand now that she was caring for her ill sister. Miss Joseph's last living sister, Joanna, lived on the farm with her autistic adult son. She devoted her life to take care of him and never remarried after the death of her husband. Her son had a very difficult life and was often labeled as crazy by his cousins and the kids in the neighborhood, causing him to seclude himself to his house in the south part of the farm. Evelyn and her cousins were told not to play around that part of the farm in order not to disturb them. Shortly after Gracia's wedding, Miss Josie has found herself spending lots of time at her sister's house, taking care of her, as she was diagnosed with gallbladder cancer. Gracious felt horrible to leave the farm to travel while her aunt was going through such a hard time, but her aunt told her to go and enjoy her life while she had health and she blessed Gracious and Fernando when they both visit before their trip. They flew to Brasilia, the capital of Brazil, since 1960, a place that Gracious was very curious about and wanted to explore some at the end of their trip. From there, their friend Mario drove them to Goiás, the two-hour and 45-minute road trip was more than enough for the two friends to check up with each other since he visited them for the wedding. Mario had moved to Alto Paraíso after he married and was involved with ecotourism in the area. He transformed his own house into a posada, where the newlyweds were staying, and had planned their honeymoon as if it was his own and hoped they would love the Chapada as much as he and his family did. Although the infrastructure around the Chapada was still in development, Mario made sure his charming posada had running water most of the time, a working telephone, and a car to attend to emergencies. His whole family worked in tourism, his wife to help run the posada and his sons were guides to their guests and to visitors around the area. Fernando and Gracious appreciated having Mario as their personal guide and they knew they were in good hands with his family. 
No matter where they went, they were sure that it was planned carefully, and they didn't have to worry. They planned to stay seven days in their company before going back to explore Brasilia for three days. They were set to take it easy on their first day in Alto Paraíso, and they just spent time with Mario and family, relaxing and talking about the history of the Chapada dos Veadeiros National Park, one of the most beautiful places in Brazil. It houses rare plant formations, hundreds of springs and old rocks, some more than a billion years old. The next day, they left early to enjoy the afternoon period, which was the best time to go to the park. And also there was a limited capacity put in place by the government agencies managing the park, but it wasn't well known by tourists. Luckily, Mario helped the couple with the information so they could enjoy the park at its best time. Mario's sons also gave them important tips that only a local would know such as taking snacks but only eating them for energy since there weren't public restrooms, alerting them to there not being trash cans in the park so they would have to carry their own trash, and that some of the trails weren't fully developed so one has to watch where they are stepping. They started their adventure with the Almesegas waterfalls. There were two falls and they planned to see both. To get to the first fall, the trail was short, just over 1.5 kilometers, but steep, and they immediately heard the guide's voice in their head and took extra care. The weather was perfect for a day of hiking. It wasn't too humid or hot, so they were comfortable in their short sleeve shirts. They stopped at the viewing spots and beheld all the beauty of the 50-meter waterfall. They watched the water endlessly cascading down into the body of water underneath it, mesmerized in fascination. Then to the swimming hole, and even with its cold water, it was worth it to go in and relax for some time. To go to the second fall, they followed the trail for about seven kilometers, and there they rested for a while visiting the natural areas with almost no alteration, studying and admiring all the beautiful scenes, plants and wild, unsuspecting animals. Before going back to the Pousada, they visited one more location. Fernando and Gracias went to Loquinhas, a complex with waterfalls and seven wells with emerald-colored waters. It was an enchanting location and it was great that the trails were short and easy. The next day, they hit the road to São Jorge village, the entrance to the national park, and took the day walking around the village, which was created by prospectors who arrived in search of quartz back in the 20th century. The creation of the park represented a change in behavior, Cultural habits from years prior, such as free mining, wildflower collection, the palm tree buriti leaf cutting, and wood harvesting ended with the notion of the preservation of its natural resources as a national park. 
The day Fernando and Gracious visited, the village had no water, and unfortunately, you could see trash piling up in some areas. But its red dirt roads, simple buildings, and hundreds of inhabitants were an invitation to contemplation and unhurried conversations. They entered the national park to visit Canyon 2 and Cachoeira da Carioquinha through São Jorge on their third day. The trail was fairly easy but longer than the one they hiked on their first day. It was a 10-kilometer round trip across fields, streams, and breathtaking scenery. The first stop was Canyon 2, which is two wells in which visitors can swim. And if you are brave, there is a high spot for jumping. They took the time to strip to the bathing suits they were wearing beneath their clothing to relax in one of the wells. They figured they would take it easy for some time before they started hiking again. There weren't many people at that particular location that day, so Gracious would float in the water on her back uninterrupted. She loved the cooling sensation on her skin when a breeze would blow and slowly dry the best can of water from the well. Gracious got lost in her thoughts of the wedding and how crazy it was that she was on her honeymoon. Her life was moving so quickly and she hadn't realized it until now. Gracious returned from her thoughts when Fernando came to her to tell her they should get going. She hadn't realized how long she had actually been in the water, and her fingers were starting to prune. Finally, they continued their hike to Cachoeira da Carioquinha, being careful during the descent to it, for it was the most slippery stretch of the entire trail. The scenery was rewarding, and it was composed of dozens of small waterfalls and diving into the natural swimming hole after so much effort was almost mandatory. When they got back to the posada that evening, they had a message from back home, saying that Gracious's aunt Joanna had passed away, and just like that their honeymoon was over. Mario was kind enough to arrange everything for Fernando and Gracious to go back home in a hurry so they could be there with Miss Josie for the funeral and everything else she needed help with. Gracious still felt guilty on their way home for having enjoyed herself so much while knowing that her aunt was at home suffering. The family did the best they could to get her aunt to feel loved even though they all knew this day would come. Even so, they still weren't prepared to deal with death when it finally arrived. Miss Josie's sister had been sick for a while and she felt lots of pain while going through treatment. She was old and tired and ready to go. Joanna had been very sorry that she was going to die that way, but when the doctors discovered that she had got bladder cancer, she slowly got used to the idea 
and in her own way, she stopped fighting the sickness. Her son was now without the only caregiver he knew, and Miss Josie didn't know what to do. The sadness in the farm and the neighborhood was very apparent, and while Miss Josie's sister was more of an introvert, she had been part of the community for a long time. Miss Josie arranged the funeral to be at her home. Evelyn had never been to a funeral before, and it was very strange to see an open casket with a dead body in it. Sadness hung heavily over the room, as if it was looming to see who it would condemn the next. There were family members silently sobbing, flowers everywhere that represented nothing happy, just death, and lots of people from the community that she knew or knew her that had come to see family and pay their respects. Evelyn was sad, but she didn't really know why. She didn't have much of a relationship with her great aunt, but it was saddening that she was gone. Evelyn saw people paying their respects by touching Joanna's feet and hands and kissing her forehead. And she didn't know if she was supposed to do the same, but without fully understanding her actions, she did as they did. She came close to the body and she held the lady's head and she raised it a little, not knowing it was going to be heavy or not, and gently placed the head back down and paid her respects by caressing her aunt's forehead. She sat by the coffin for a long time just observing everyone and it broke her heart that Miss Josie was so sad. About an hour later, Evelyn saw her aunt Gracious arrive near the end of the funeral. She hugged her mother and both women started crying. For Gracious, there was no going back on vacation and the honeymoon would not resume again. This was a time to mourn to be with her mother, to be with family, and to have time to heal. Fernando felt out of place and didn't know how to help, so he went back to work. The family now had to decide what was going to happen with their cousin, who now lost his mother and did not know how to care for himself. Gracious didn't know what to do because she was scheduled to move out in three weeks. She called a family meeting, and at that point, the family got together to figure out what was going to be done. She didn't know who was going to take care of their cousin now, but something had to be figured out before the end of the evening. Everyone came in and sat at Miss Josie's dining room. Some brought their spouses and some of their older children to discuss and decide what was going to happen. He cannot stay home alone. He doesn't know when he needs to eat or bathe. And he doesn't even know what places in the house he can or cannot go to, Sky said. What he needs is constant supervision. I have small children and I live in a small house. I can't worry about that, Peace interrupted. While the family brainstormed and questions arose, no one really wanted to provide the assistance that was needed. 
and they went back and forth arguing but not getting closer to any sort of decision. Miss Josie interrupted them out of nowhere and with a loud voice said, Everybody stop quarreling. I am going to bring him to live here with me. You people only worry about yourselves. Everybody in the room was astonished. You can't take care of him, Mom. He's very difficult, Gracia said. My sister, who was much older than me, was able to take care of him. Tell me why can't I do that? He needs me. I won't leave him home alone. It is decided he is going to come and live here with me. And anyway, you are moving away. Why do you care? Mom, of course I care. I want to make sure that everything is going to be taken care of. I am here to help with whatever you need, okay? Fine. You can help me by understanding that your cousin is going to come and live here with me. If you want to help while you are still here, let's discuss the cleaning and packing of my study and his house. With that, Miss Josie closed the argument and all previous discussions. With her moving out date already set, Gracious was not going to be at the house to help her mother care for her cousin. The family continued to talk among themselves when Nene stood up and told everyone that her family was having a difficult time with their landlord and the situation had been going on for a couple of years. She said that because of it, they had already started saving and already had quite a bit of money in the bank to buy a new home. She said that they needed a little bit more time to save before they would be ready. She paused and looked at her husband, who nodded to her to proceed. With everyone listening, she said that they were willing to move to be with Miss Josie so they could help take care of their autistic cousin while they continued to save money. They figured that if they moved with Miss Josie, they wouldn't have to pay rent or have to deal with their troublesome landlord. Gracious smiled happy with the decision. Everyone had their turn to say whether they agreed with it or not. And they all said they thought it was a good idea and that it was okay. Nene and Andre was Evelyn's godparents. And having them living so close was a good thing. Andre was one of the nicest men Evelyn had ever met. He was always smiling and was nice to everybody. Because of that, he was great at his job, which was going around the bodegas and selling candy. He would buy candy in bulk and then resell to the bodegas in the neighborhood. No one ever believed him when he told people that he sold candy for a living because he was always joking around when he shared it, but it was actually how he provided to his family and how they had been saving money to buy their apartment. Andre was shared with anyone that would listen that the reason he wanted an apartment was because he had no time to take care of a yard. Evelyn thought he was an amazing man and the greatest uncle, and Evelyn's godmother Nene was also very nice. 
but not funny like her husband. Together, the couple had five children, four boys and a little girl. For Evelyn, having teenagers at the farm was tough. She noticed that they were always up to no good and wanted to be in charge when it came to the small cousins. She didn't know if her new neighbors were going to be troublemakers yet, but at least at Miss Josie's house, they were respectful and a great help with Ray, who had since moved out of his house and was living at Evelyn's grandma's house now. Time told Evelyn that the boys were nice, and the cousin that was about her age liked climb trees just like her. They played together quite a bit, and she was glad they were there at the farm. Climbing trees was Evelyn's favorite thing to do at the farm, after eating all the fruits from them, of course. She would stay up in the branches for hours, but that was back when she didn't have any chores. She would climb, or try to climb, every tree on the farm. There were many trees, and some were very difficult to climb, while others were very easy. Evelyn had her favorite ones. Her new playmate and cousin Roger would join Evelyn whenever she chose to climb trees around Miss Josie's. She had many imaginary friends, and Roger would play along and laugh out loud, enjoying himself with the stories she would create, and especially when she made up songs. He found it particularly wondrous that she was able to make up songs and memorize them to sing the same song later. The other children would come and hang out with them and some would climb trees too, and others would play on the ground under the tree. One day, Evelyn climbed a tree and started to play with her cousins when Roger yelled from under the tree, Evelyn, sing that farm song of yours. She sung and the kids were so surprised. It was a nice catchy tune and Roger also knew the lyrics by heart. When she finished her song, all the children cheered for her and she felt good. When she was ready to go home, Roger asked, Evelyn, have you ever thought about writing the songs down so you don't forget? No, she simply answered. You should do that, Roger suggested. Evelyn thought about this. And so when she got home, she reached into the cabinet where a pile of free school supplies the school provided was stored and retrieved a new notebook and pencil. She began to write her songs down and the more she wrote, the more she surprised herself with how creative she had become. She turned the page where she wrote the song Roger always asked her to sing and started dancing to the tune in her head when suddenly something stung her so hard it felt she got attacked by a bunch of wasps. Evelyn turned around in horror to find her mother whipping her repeatedly with the belt. 
She grabbed Evelyn's arm to hold her, preventing her from escaping, and continued to hurt her daughter. Evelyn searched her memories, but she had no idea what she had done to deserve this punishment. Why are you hitting me? The child would ask pleadingly of her mother, crying and trying to remember a reason, but the only thing she could see was the evil expression on her mother's face. It was so alarming and it hurt Evelyn more than the beating she was taking. The woman said nothing and the abuse went on for a good minute. When she let go of Evelyn, the child fell to the ground, sobbing. She looked up to face her mother who was towering over her. And when she looked down back to the floor, she began to feel sorry for herself. She flinched when her mother finally spoke. Next time I come home to a filthy bathroom with empty buckets, you will need bandages when I draw blood from your back. Mary had never told Evelyn to clean the bathroom or pump water to fill the bathing buckets. She simply came home angry that day and only God knew why. Mary walked to the main room of the house to find the babysitter laying on the floor topless with the baby playing on top of her and Ellen by her side giggling. What the hell do you think you are doing? Put a shirt on, Mary demanded. The sitter didn't pay much attention to Mary, but she got up, put her shirt back on, and hugged and kissed each child, promising to come back the next day. As she passed by Mary, she looked Mary up and down and mockingly repeated what Mary had told her. She knew that she didn't have anything to lose if she was rude to Mary because she was hardly ever paid, and since Mary got a job away from home, she wasn't getting new clothes made by her either. Mary was now left with the two little ones, and they were already fussing. She put the baby down to use the bathroom when she saw it needed to be cleaned. She was tired. That was when she heard Evelyn in the other room, happily singing, and it made Mary angry, and she grabbed a belt to hit the innocent child. She didn't know what came over her, and only realized it when it was already too late. Her mother decided to assign chores to Evelyn now that she was old enough. At nine years old, Evelyn was old enough to walk to school on her own. She was in third grade, and Mary thought since Evelyn only had classes in the afternoon, she could help with things around the house in the morning. Sometimes Evelyn got upset because she didn't think it was fair that she had to sweep the floors, clean the bathroom, pump the water to fill the bathing buckets, and start lunch, all while the sitter simply played all day with her young sisters. It felt like with all the work she was told to do, she didn't have the time she wanted to play with her cousins, but she made sure to find time. Evelyn would take her notebook of songs 
everywhere she went, and was always singing different songs. And whenever time was not an issue, she was around to play with her friends and cousins. She choreographed different dances for each of her songs, and each intrigued her cousins, making them want to know all the details on how she did it. Where are you learning all these songs? One of them asked. Can you teach us? Can you show us how to do it? Another one chimed in. Evelyn felt empowered. Her cousins were very impressed with all the songs and the choreography she had created, saying it it was so much fun playing with her. I can teach you. Maybe we can continue to practice all the songs and dance together, or even have a little group. Evelyn suggested. They all agreed that was a great idea. So every evening after dinner, they went to Miss Josie's house, and they would practice the songs and the choreography on the paved space their aunt Gracious constructed for her wedding not long ago. The children even came up with a name of their group, the Little Ones. Evelyn was touched by how her cousins were welcoming her to their circle. Some of them were a little bit older than her, but they still followed her directions well. And in no time, all four girls knew all the songs and dances to go with them. Every now and then, a passerby would stop and watch them practice like a show. What if we put an event together right here on the farm? We can create invitations and drop one at everybody's house, telling them that we are going to put up a show. Evelyn says, smiling. All the girls thought it was a great idea, and together they made invitations and went around the farm distributing them. Come and watch us. We are going to put up a show, and we would love to have you. Bring your chair. They would say in unison. They chose a cloudy Saturday late afternoon. They set up a stage, and their audience brought their chairs to watch. Their families came, and even Aunt Sky came with her children. She didn't live on the farm, but was there to support the girls. Everyone clapped while they were singing their made-up songs and dancing to Evelyn's choreography. Evelyn was so happy that everybody had fun, and were so polite about the whole event that she didn't even notice her parents hadn't bothered to show up. Evelyn. Or any of the girls might not have noticed, but her aunt Sky did. Later, when the family was hanging around, she came up to Evelyn and told her how proud she was of her, and how much she liked the show. She said that she would love to have her at her house to spend some quality time with her daughter Danny. That was a long holiday coming up, and so she suggested that Evelyn spend a week with her. She said she was going to talk to her parents, and they would tell her when to be ready. Evelyn thought it was nice of her. Danny was two years older than Evelyn, and was a nice girl, but she thought that they were fancy since they didn't live at the farm. But she definitely wanted to get to know her cousin better. 
The time to get to Aunt Skye's house came by fast. Since Evelyn always kept busy with housework, school, and her singing and dancing group, she didn't even notice the date approaching so quickly when, though, she was so excited to go. One Saturday afternoon, she was picked up by her uncle after he left work, and everyone was super nice to her at the house. Danny helped her mother with dinner, and the family enjoyed their food and had a nice time talking to Evelyn. Danny was the oldest, and she had two brothers, but even so, she had her own bedroom with nice furniture. She had one of those beds that had a pull-out mattress, and that's where Evelyn slept. They spent the next day playing and having fun, but when her aunt went back to work the following day, Danny wasn't in the mood to play anymore. Evelyn thought she had done something wrong because she hadn't expected Danny's sudden change in behavior. She sat in the area at the back of the house trying to remember what she could have done when she noticed Danny cleaning like a maniac and watching over her younger brothers. Danny, can I help you? I clean at home too, Evelyn offered. No, Evelyn, I need to do this on my own. Go sit with the boys and watch some TV, Danny said. Evelyn watched her cousin clean a bathroom, water the plants, dust, make lunch, clean dishes, prepare dinner, and wash a mountain of bed sheets, which was something Evelyn had never done before. Evelyn thought that Danny was lucky because she had running water and didn't have to pump all the water she used. But Evelyn also noticed that the amount of chores Danny was doing was ridiculous and unfair. She noticed that her cousin didn't have time to relax once the whole day, and she still managed to take care of her brothers. Evelyn had originally thought they were fancy, but where was their sitter? Danny continued her routine and did her chores vigorously and she had a look on her face that Evelyn couldn't quite read. When her mother got home, she said hello to the boys and Evelyn, and went to her room to drop her bag by the bed. On her way back, she walked to the kitchen and then to the back porch. Danny was cooking shrimp for dinner, and the house smelled heavenly with hints of garlic. From the porch, Evelyn heard Skye and Danny talking, and without warning, the conversation escalated to a heated one-sided argument. Aunt Skye began to shout complaints, and Evelyn heard them go to another room of the house. She knew how situations similar to this one ended up in her own house, but she prayed anyway that her cousin wouldn't get in trouble. She heard her cousin crying, and the boys got startled by the yelling and ran to the room with all the commotion, and Evelyn went with them. The boys repeatedly asked their mother to stop, but she continued hitting Danny's back with a broomstick so violently that the stick broke on her back. 
It was a horrifying scene, and Evelyn cried silently for her cousin, knowing she lived this nightmare on a daily basis, and wishing she was anywhere but there. Witnessing this scene, it was at that moment that she promised herself she was going to help Danny throughout the remaining duration of her stay. She never wanted to see her being abused ever again. Building Evelyn's Original Story, Narration and Production by Jackie Pesau. This chapter was written by Jackie Pesau and edited by Karen Mata. Music by Clark James. You can listen to his amazing music on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. To learn more, visit ClarkJamesPiano.com or find him on Facebook or Amazon. I hope you find this podcast entertaining. If you are interested in contributing a song or to write the next chapter of the story, submit an email at info at and we will consider featuring it. If you want to get in touch with us, find us on WhatsApp at 513-580-4595. For more chapters, Listen on your favorite podcast player, our YouTube channel, or head over to our website, buildingevelyn.com. That is B-L-D-G-E-V-E-L-Y-N.com. And while you are there, consider clicking the donate link. That would be so nice of you.